Blog Talk Radio. FT Sports Podcast. We are back. Today's date, April 5th, 2016. D. Davis, V. Ellis, TV. We may or may not see a Aaron sighting tonight, but nevertheless, my man's been traveling. Going to go see some family on the East Coast, so made it in safe. So hopefully we'll hear his, uh, his presence this evening. But nevertheless, 646-668-2182 is the number. Uh, welcome to today's show, man. Welcome to tonight's show. Loaded show. Um, I like to think there's there's going to be a lot of conversation. I don't know if it's going to be heated debates. Probably a lot of agreeing, which doesn't make for good radio. But we're we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna have some good conversation tonight. Uh, the NCAA tournament wrapped up. I don't know if a lot of people got a chance to watch the women's side of the ball, but I did, and honestly, it was more exciting than the men's side. But we're gonna focus on the men's side because Villanova showed us something in the national championship game that we probably haven't seen in a while. And the mystique that is the college basketball blue bloods forgot about Jay Wright. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Our rapid fire session as well. Breaking news. Conor McGregor's an idiot. Kyrie Irving is out for the rest of the season. And RG3 somehow limped his way to a job with the Baltimore freaking Ravens. I don't know how any of that is possible. But we're going to let these guys dissect it as we hit into all the topics tonight. So as always, 646-668-2182 is the number if you want to get into the conversation. I am pleased and always joined by the crew, my man TV, and BLs. Good evening, gentlemen. What's going on, brother? Good evening. Man, uh, I, I, I kind of want to pick up maybe on the last thing that I just got done saying, fellas. Breaking news yesterday, RG3 has a job in the NFL. Don't really know what to say about that. And I'm not going to make it about cap. I promise I won't. But RG3 has been out of the league for a while, fellas. Um, Hasn't really showed us anything since his rookie year. You could say that Washington sabotaged him, but he's always been injured. Your thoughts on maybe what Baltimore is thinking here? Are they just kind of getting a security blanket for Joe Joe Flacco? Or what's your guys' thoughts on that? Go ahead, TV. Okay. Um, I, just, I mean, I, I read a little bit about the uh, the acquisition of of, uh, of RG three, and it looks like it was yeah from from outside looking, and it's pretty much a, a football. I mean, a business decision, if you want to put it that way. Um, it still brings up the question. Well, again, this guy Kaepernick, he's still out there. He's one of the best unsigned quarterbacks uh, in free agency, but for them to go after RG three, a guy who who hasn't really done much within his uh, within his NFL career, it's very questionable. Um, yeah, that's, I mean that's that's all I can really say on that on that part. I guess from the Joe Flacco side, TV real fast. It, I I just said it on Frat House Sports, and again, if you guys want to check them out every Thursday between seven and nine p.m., um, you'll hear the combo of FT Sports and them on on the air. It's fantastic radio. But TV, is it more about the backup quarterbacks in the NFL? Because last season, we saw a litany of quarterbacks go down. And I think I can name 
maybe five teams right out the gate right now that if their starter goes down, their season is over. Green Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, Dallas, Seattle. Just five teams right out of the gates. Is it about having that security blanket, or is it, or is it something else that we just not seeing? Um, I think it's, I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, you can throw New England in there as well. I mean, if Tom Brady goes down for the season, I mean, who, I mean, who's going to be able to fill in that role uh, as a backup QB? And yeah, again, I, I think, I think it's just a combination of a lot of things. I mean, again, if you really, if if you're really in a position to make some noise in the postseason. Why not get the best available backup QB in the cabinet? I mean, I can't even think of anybody else right now that's better as a you know that as a backup. You know, so I think it's just a combination of a, of a lot of things. Be honest with your thoughts, man. On RG three, um, I mean, I'm kind of I'm hesitant. Um, you know, I'm happy he got a a, a second chance. Um, I just really don't know if if he deserved it over some other names. And I say we're not going to make it about another individual that's not in the league that's, you know, a little bit more proven. Um, RG3 did uh, – he was in a bad position in regards to the franchise that he was with, uh, the coaching staff that that uh, was supposed to help to develop him, um, and he took a hit. And ultimately it cost him his career, you know. So I, I am happy to see him – Getting an opportunity to play football again if he's if he's healthy and he's able and uh, more so with the Ravens. The only thing that really stings about the Ravens too is because they've they've been very verbal about uh, wanting to sign Kaepernick. So this really makes you feel like you know it is a little bit. Once again, it's a personal situation uh, to keep him out of that out of that position. But um, I think that you know once again he he's in a good position to be able to. Uh, prove that he needs to be in the NFL, and then ultimately he might have an opportunity at a, at a starting role uh, because Joe Flacco hasn't gotten it done in years. So, uh, and I think John Harbaugh's success is going to be tied into the the quarterback that he has out there. So, I think that you know, good for RG three getting back in the league. Sucks that uh, Kaepernick, you know, didn't get you know got overlooked, especially for this particular franchise. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, man. Politics at its finest. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. I hope I hope RG three gets it done, man. He's on a he's on a solid team with a good coaching staff. So if it doesn't work out here, then yeah, then it, it must have been legit that he didn't need to be in the league anymore. What's interesting is that we're saying we hope he gets it done as a backup quarterback. Oh, for sure, a backup. Quarterback. <laughs> I mean, let's, we hope he gets it done as a backup quarterback. That's saying a lot. I mean, it says everything. You got a, you got a second chance. Like they recognize that you have a skill set, uh, that you're you're one of the elite quarterbacks. Of course, not a starter, but you know you're you're on an NFL roster, and at this point in time, there is a need for him, especially with that franchise. Their starting quarterback is is, is questions about him, so this might be a, this might really be a good opportunity for him to really be able to develop his his craft, and he might be get might get plugged in sooner than we think. Based off of uh, what their their current starting quarterback looks like, six four six 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 eight two one eight two is the number. If you want to give your thoughts on RG three and anything uh, NFL, we're, we're going to definitely hit on some topics uh, later on for sure, um, fellas. Let's let's pick it up from there. Um, the NCAA 
tournament ended. I watched the women's semifinals and the finals. I thought that they they did very well. Uh, the fact that UConn went down, I'll admit, I was a little excited to see. Uh, but the national championship game definitely lived up to the hype. Number one versus number one, you want to see it come down to the wire, did final shot. On the men's side, Villanova down uh, first eight minutes of the game, possibly TV, and all of a sudden you've seen Villanova not just get back in the game, but they grinded to get back in the game. Definitely was helped by Michigan and their inefficiency to make the three. Um, they were missing shots, missing free throws. But Villanova not only Villanova took over down. the game, but they dominated that game when they had it. Your thoughts on the national championship game? Uh, Villanova was, was a bigger, stronger. Not, I wouldn't say a fast team, but they were bigger and stronger. Uh, uh, definitely more in length on Villanova's side. Uh, Villanova uh, better than Michigan. And, of course, they out-rebounded Michigan 38-27. Um, another thing I will add is, you know, their bench play. I mean, Dante uh, DaVincio, uh, how are you announce his last, announced his last name, uh, definitely was a big factor in scoring 31 points. And Jalen Bronson, uh, who is the probably going to be the nation player of the year, only had nine points. So uh, Dante definitely bailed out uh, Jalen Bronson in that championship game. But one thing I want to – one of the things I want to – one of the things that I take away from not just the championship game but the overall tournament is – the art of the mid-range. I mean, can anybody hit a mid-range jump shot in, in the college game? I mean, Good point. if you watch – and, and I'm, I don't know if we're talking about the championship game, but if you go back to like the – if you watch like the semifinals between Kansas and Villanova, I mean, nobody – it was just right away just come up have, come up past the uh, half-court line, three, three, three. And it's like, where is the – you know, set, you know, get, you know, set your offense. Where is the – you know, again, where is the, the art of the mid-range game? And I think that is one of the things to me hurting college basketball. Well, college basketball players, that is, put them to transition to the next level, which is the NBA or professional basketball as it is. But that was those were some of my takeaways from watching the championship game. I mean, congrats to Michigan, you know, not only just uh, getting to the national championship game, but, you know, winning the Big Ten and advancing. I mean, that's that says a lot about John Beeline, the players that recruit, and, of course, the strength conditioning coach and the system that he runs. Not to mention that Michigan wasn't even thought about to be in the national championship, yet alone to come out the Big Ten the way that they did. I, I mean, when they made the tournament TV, I'll be honest, I, I picked them to be an Elite Eight team. Uh, for kicks and giggles, I put them in the national championship. I had no idea that they would get there. No, I didn't have, I didn't have them going to the national championship game. I actually had them going – Probably no. I actually had them losing to Houston, believe it or not. I felt Houston was probably one of the better, one of the best defensive teams entering the tournament. And they would have. And and, and you know if they if that shot doesn't go in by Jordan Poole, I mean we have, we're completely talking about something different. But uh, a lot of teams that we picked to go to the championship. I mean for me, I I figured Virginia and Michigan State will make the. Um, Will make the national championship game, or at least the Final Four. But both, but you know, Virginia being the first number one seed in men's basketball tournament to lose to a 16 seed, and of course Michigan State, um, you know, definitely getting taken care of by Syracuse, who they struggled against the uh, zone defense. But uh, it, it it was a great it was a great run. It was a great run. I mean, again, congrats to Michigan getting there. Congrats to Jay Wright, his second national championship in three years. Uh, yeah, and I think another thing. I, it shows that when you have 
a three or a four year starter on your team, that definitely helps out a lot in big moments like the championship game or just making that deep run. So it's not always about the one and done. We got to remember that hey, even a three or four year player can get it done as well. So yeah, hey, amen. amen, amen, amen. Ellis, we were all watching the game together. Um, I kept saying bully ball, bully ball, bully ball, Villanova. I think if I take anything from this game, Villanova just flat out bigger, faster, better than Michigan. They out-rebound Michigan by numbers. I mean, offensive rebounds as well. Um, What was your thoughts as you watched the game and watched Michigan? It felt like they were maybe going to make a run in the second half, but then all of a sudden Villanova just took it straight from them. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think they're uh, bigger and more athletic um, and just o- overall better players. I think that, in my opinion, Michigan still out co- was you know outcoached them from a standpoint of having the players ready and having them pretty much maximize their talent. That's one thing about Michigan this entire tournament. They've maximized the talent that they have, and they've, they've had you know a good situation where they've run into similar talent and they've been able to outplay uh, those teams based off of coaching. I think they really ran into a team that was just more physical than them. Uh, they were just as sound in their de- in, in their defense. Um, they were just more athletic and a little bit and a little bit uh, more gifted in the, the positions that they played and a little bit more efficient. And I think that that took uh, Michigan. I mean, pretty much, yeah. They were just out. They outplayed them. Um, and I think that again, shout out to the program, Beeline, the coaching job that he did, uh, the Big Ten for being represented by University of Michigan. Um, and like you said, no one expected them to really get there. Um, and I think they just fell short to a, a more more physical and, and larger group. Um, so I I think Villanova, and, and th- they pretty much put hands on everybody based off of that size and athleticism. I think the previous game, they, they went on a tear with their three-point shooting uh, where they broke a record for that, put up over 90 points against the number one seed. So they were just – they were loaded. And uh, having a person come off the bench, give you 30 points off the bench, just shows the kind of the depth of their team. And uh, Michigan didn't have the firepower for it. And uh, I think really the only true player on, our, on Michigan's roster uh, that was able to compete was Wagner. And that goes from heart, size, and overall skill set. I think he was our best player. Um, and he, he displayed that he, he deserved to be on that stage. But I think the rest of the team kind of kind of showed up. I mean, kind of, you know, they were just showing that they were a little bit out, outclassed and outmatched in that in that matchup. Uh, so I think it was just a good run overall. So TV, TV I, I, jump on that for a second, man, because every time you hear heart and you know all that stuff in regards to a basketball player, you absolutely disagree with it. But to a certain degree, I I, I wouldn't say heart, but I would definitely say that they got, I guess they felt like they they were out of the game more quicker than, than Wagner was. I felt like he stayed in the game from start to finish and where other players may not have been um, may not have been tuned in. I, maybe Matthews was more tuned in in the second half. He had a couple of dunks, a couple of layups in the second half. But they were missing free throws. They wasn't rebounding well. It's just nothing was working for them in the second half. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, we got to – I mean, I don't know if people uh... – Notice, but Michigan was not one of the best free throw shoot teams entering the tournament. No. Uh, that was on display against Houston. That was on display, uh, I want to say, against, against Florida State. So that that that's one of the things that played a role in you know from, you know with Michigan losing the game against Villanova. I'm not gonna question the player's heart, 
I just think overall, and I agree with Ellis, they were out coach, but also Villanova was just a bigger, they were just a bigger, better team. I mean, it, it happens. You can have all the heart in the world, but again, it's all about execution and, you know, establishing your presence on that court, and that's what Villanova has done. On another note, and I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but what Villanova has been doing the past couple of years is whenever they recruit players, they will ask those players to sit out a year, and that makes a difference when those players have sat out a year or red-shirted going to the following season and being able to grasp the offense or grasp onto the college game a bit faster than somebody just coming in and playing right away. That gives them an extra year of getting stronger. That gives them an extra year to see things in the court they probably wouldn't have seen if they were active, active on the roster. So Villanova has, I guess, a a system that works and allows them to compete for championships, which they've been doing the past three years. So, and of course, winning two out of the last three years. But no, I would never question the players. Right, it was just on display that Villanova was just a bigger, uh, more athletic team. So the news, and I won't say the news. I'll say the big boy news as far as ESPN is concerned, gentlemen. Jay Wright. Um, it's, it's interesting, and, and I said to Stevie, I really want to get your thoughts, the mystique of college basketball. Jay Wright's been doing well, and again, two national championships in three years, and when they gave the list of those who accomplished more or won national championships, there were some names that maybe people sat back and said, wait, I thought he won more than that. And it's easy that people get lost when you say Louisville, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State. When you say those teams – you think national championships, but they haven't. Izzo only won one. Jay Wright's won two with a smaller school of Villanova. So now everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and says, should he go to the pros? And they linked him to the sexy team in the East, which is the Philadelphia 76ers. It's an easy thing to do, right? I said that if he does go pro, he goes to Milwaukee. You watch more college basketball than probably anybody on the panel. Should Jay Wright even think about going to the pros when he has something good at Villanova? Um, based based off some of the games I've watched over the season, or just watching Villanova over the years, uh, I don't think he should go to the pros. I think we're I think a lot of people are just caught up in the moment. Again, he's been at Villanova for what sixteen, seventeen years, and if you look at his if you look at his record, I mean, multiple trips to the tournament. He's only had three Final Four appearances, and has won two championships out of the last three years. So I think it's just a bit of a it's, it's a bit premature, you know. I think a lot of people are just caught up in the hype. And again, coaching on the college level compared to coaching on the NBA level is completely different. You know, if you don't believe me, just ask Don Calipari. I mean, he yeah. tried it and went back mm-hmm. to college. You know, so could he be successful in today's that, basketball though? Calipari, real fast. I mean, that uh, basketball that he was in, a little bit more gritty. Guys were a little bit more old school than this class. This this, this basketball is a little different. Would you agree with that? Yeah, basketball. I mean, this basketball. When you say this basketball, what do you mean? The NBA. The way the the, the state of the NBA right now. I don't want to use the word soft. I I really don't. But in compared to what it was when Calipari was a coach, um, he wasn't going to survive then. He could survive now. I won't call it soft. I think it's more. I think I think in today's NBA is more sensitive. I'll, I'll use that word. It's more sensitive compared to when Calipari was in the league. Um, 20-plus years ago. But uh, with Jay Wright, would he survive it in today's NBA league? I, I, I give it I give it a 
Yellis, yep. Jay Wright, Seventy Sixers. I say no. What do you say? Seventy Sixers, no, because they they're like the the four seed. They're not going to fire their coach for putting them in the four the four seed in the um, Eastern Conference um, and finally finally you know competing. That coach isn't going. I think his that coach is secure based off the whole trusted process. Uh, situation, and then them pretty much having a breakout season finally. And I don't know if we can call it a breakout season considering they tank like 10 years in a row, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> I don't think this is the year that they would be making a coaching change, you know, with them them being, you know, the upper upper tier of uh, of a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. But well, hold on, real uh, fast, though. Real fast, though, Ellis, because you, you brought that – you said that, but – what about the fact that the, the the organization decided to tank, and it hasn't been Brent Brown's fault? They never gave him the players. They never put him in a situation where he could be successful. And now that he is, all his name is linked to is getting ousted by a coach and the college ranks. How disrespectful is that? I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, right? I, I, I mean, from the point that you bring up, yeah, I hear you. But from the bigger picture, I mean, come on. You gave me no players. You 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 pretty much went on record that we're gonna get that we're gonna tank. You you you've done everything but show that the seventy sixer fans deserve to have a winning team. And when we do, you wanna get rid of me? And you're not even coming out to defend me. Like what is that about? So are you are you saying it's public that they're trying to get rid of their current coach? I I think it's I think it's public when you're not coming out to defend the fact that, you know, you have a coach that's that yes gave has a bad rap, but now that he has the players necessary to compete, that he's actually competing. I feel like the organization deserves to do that for Brett Brown. We've seen this before. It's not like we haven't seen, um, you know, general managers or, or owners come out and defend the coach. Mm-hmm. Don't you think he deserves that? I don't think many coaches in the NBA are getting defended right now, man. Like, no one's safe but Greg Popovich and, and uh, Steve, what was it, Steve Brad Stevens? Brad Stevens, Steve Kerr. All right, Steve Kerr is safe. You're right. So you got three coaches out of like 30 teams that are safe. (laughs) You know, there's a rotation of about 15 coaches per year. Um, So, I mean, let's just be real. There is no level of defense that's going to go up there for for any coach except for those three we just named, Popovich, Stevens, and and Kerr. Uh, With that being said, you're watching good coaches get fired. You know, Fisdale, uh, Kid. Uh, we we've watched a few people get get bounced out. We watched um, what's the gentleman's name a couple of years ago when the uh, when the Rockets Platt. good. Platt. Well, yep, Platt. You know, we got we got him up out of there uh, when they were the number one seed in the East. But Mark hey, Jackson. whatever. Yep. Uh, Mark Jackson got bounced out of there. Great coach. Um, so I mean, it's really. And there's no one safe in the NBA. And I think now, based off of the shift in gears for the NBA, the style of play, like you said, um, quote-unquote, you know, is it soft? Yes, I think it is. But, I mean, that being said, I think that it does open up, I think, opportunity for some, some college coaches to make that move because, you know, there there is some college coaches that, that do recognize talent and they, they do develop some of this talent. And some of these players are just crazy good anyway, but – you know, that being said, you know, you, that's the wave of the NBA right now. If you look at the Lakers, as much as we focus on the Sixers, the Lakers tanked too for about two, three years and had number one, number two, number three draft picks for two, three, four years in a row. And yeah. they still suck, but they're at least a little bit more competitive now. 
but that's just that's just the new look of the NBA. You got a bunch of young dudes that's coming in here. He's one and done. They're not ready to play. And, you know, I think it may take some younger coaches or some people that's, that's looking at them at the college level to maybe come into the pros and continue to develop them. And I think that's why Stevens has flourished. And I think he's opened up the doors for more coaches to be able to get those opportunities. Your boy Billy Donovan got that opportunity too now. Once again, um, he's questionable, given that he has a very talented roster and they're underperforming by all means. But nonetheless, one would say that he's come in and, and has had a level of success. Um, microscope is on him, though, because he has three all-stars. So, and rightfully so, there should be a higher level of expectation for him. But, yeah, man, I think I think the coach from Villanova would be fine to answer that, you know what I'm saying, to answer that in short. Uh, especially some of these, these, these teams, man, like, if you look at the East, man, every pretty much everybody's getting fired, like, that didn't make the playoffs. Like, all of those coaches need to go. Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago, <laughs> New York, Brooklyn, yeah. Orlando, Atlanta. <laughs> Every last one of them to be co- coaching notice, available notice, like right now. Stevie, notice how I had to chuckle when he said Detroit. I just, I just had I to. Just, I just had to, man. Detroit is such a train wreck. Uh, go ahead. Continue right. your thoughts. No, but I, I say all that to say that, yes, there's about to be eight teams opening up coaching positions in the Eastern Conference. I ain't even go over to the West yet, but there's I'm putting it right now. Eight teams in the East will be will be open open vacancies. So, I mean, that being said, I, I think, yeah, that, you know, there's a revolving Atlanta door of coaches. And I think, oh, I did. I, I put them right in there for you. Oh, yeah, every, every team that didn't make the playoffs, they're all gone. The like, entire Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference is set. I mean, it, it, it was set. set a while ago, but it's set now. That's, where, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Those The teams that didn't make the playoffs, every last coach needs to go. I'm putting it out there right now. <laughs> They don't deserve. They don't deserve to come back. I'm sorry. Get them out. When when half of the league draft is going to come from one conference, you know you got a problem. You got a problem, and you really need to Agreed. fix that. You have Agreed. to fix. That. <laughs> Agreed. It's so it's so bad in the Eastern Conference. I, I got to say this about the Pistons real fast, fellas. Since it's a hometown, you know, that that's the team. I don't know if that's the team you guys follow, but. I want to know where those fans are that was excited about Blake Griffin. His ass is injured when this team is losing. This, this, that, like that's what we went to get. We got a guy that was overhyped. That's a highlight reel, and all he does is stay injured. Well, we uh, we're over two when it comes to that because once again, Blake is coming in, and uh, how do we put it, TV? Where uh, he's uh, bumping. For uh, for his boy Reggie Jackson, like let's not forget that he's trash and has been injured and has been inconsistent since he got his eighty million dollars. So once again, let's not just focus solely on Blake. Let's focus no, I'm focusing on, on Blake. Nope, I'm gonna focus on Blake because the this this city was so excited to have him on this roster, and so many people were like, "We got Blake Griffin. We got we gonna be all right." Well, we lost a lot of games with Blake Griffin more than we lo- than we won. So. What's the excuse now? That's what I want to hear. What, what's the excuse oh, now? There is no excuse for Detroit. They got a talented roster, and they're in the Eastern Conference. That's what I said. There's no excuse. Stan, is, he needs to be done. Like, hang it up. Fire. Like, you're, in, you're in the well, East. Well, again, with, with, with Stan, it's one of those things where if, we, if you fire Stan, I mean, who, I mean, who comes in and writes the ship? I mean, Mark Jackson. Been here, you think Mark Jackson? I think Mark Jackson may end up going to New York. I think he goes think, to New York, too. I, 
I think he goes to New York too, and he should. And but that's I'm the problem. That's Nobody wants to coach here. Nobody wants to play here in Detroit. Like that. Well, not, <laughs> not, I mean, I mean, everybody knows Detroit is not a, it's not a big market city like a Chicago or New York or L.A. I mean, it's it's cold and it's cold and it snows up until <laughs> June. So who really wants to like come here and as a superstar and really make some noise? Okay, so because we, we, we challenge each other here, TV, I'm going to challenge you on this. You said that Detroit's not a big city. Is it that we're just not a big city in basketball, football, maybe baseball, but in hockey, we really are? I mean, I know we yeah, stuck the last two years, but hockey even that, is the Red even, Wings. Even that, even, yeah, but the Red Wings, I've been the Red Wings in like 10 years. years, so that, no, I don't, sure. I don't, no 10 years, because they had, that's the last time they won Stanley Cup. So, okay, yeah, okay, they, go back there for They really right. haven't been. No, it's just, okay. not a, it's just not a big market city when it comes to attracting attracting talent. I don't know about that one, though, TV. Or I would say that I agree with you, but what makes Oklahoma City so different? What makes San Antonio so different? You know, these are some of those teams that are, are small markets, too, that are thriving year in and year out. Um, and, you know, they got a strong fan base, but they're not, they're not large markets at all. And... And I, you know, and, I, and I will say, and I will say, the past five or six years, those teams have made it to the playoffs and had deep runs. As in Detroit, again, it's not an attractive place where superstar players want to come here and make a name for themselves. If well, anything, it's just okay. I, I'll come here and sign this big deal. But overall, what superstar like come this off season? What superstar is really looking at Detroit as a destination? Nobody. But. I guess I could. I would have to challenge you on this. Like when you say, when you say superstar, though, I mean there's no superstars down there in in San Antonio. I mean it's just a well coached team, and he develops their players. I mean I'm, I'm thinking that that's so, what so we Kawhi, thought. So, Kawhi, Gundy was close so, to right, so even though Kawhi has to play a lot of games, Kawhi would be considered a superstar. I mean that's he true. was a quiet dude that nobody knew about. He he became a superstar from a standpoint of his work ethic. I think that's that's and what then, I'm Okay, but he didn't have to sign that extension. Now he could have went somewhere else. But he's, no, well actually, yeah, he signed an extension a year or two ago, right? And he didn't have to sign that. But he ended up signing. No, he it, so apparently he wanted to stay. Then they, he, he didn't sign an extension. extension. That's why. No, that's why. Right. That's why. Right now they're in turmoil right now because his, his his contract's up, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do because he hasn't he hasn't committed long term. And then he's you know like. He's already kind of okay. shown there's a little okay. bit of risk right there. And I'll give you another one. They got they they were able to they they got Marcus Aldridge. They so did. Lamarcus Aldridge didn't want to come to Detroit when he became free agent, did he? Right? I I'm, I guarantee you Detroit was not on his list of list of, uh, destinations. Was not. Was not. I, I mean, I'll tell you, Lamarcus. I mean, again, I can speak to that though. He's from Texas, so he wanted to play there. He actually turned down. Well, I think I think the point that TV well, is not, but, we're not, but, we're, but we're not talking about where you're from. We're talking about a destination. Right. We're talking about going to a city or organization that's going to say, you know what? Or that for me, that's going to that I can take back and say, you know what? If I go to San Antonio, I know they can attract some of the best players. I know if I go to OKC, they can attract some of the best players. If I go to Detroit, who wants to come to Detroit? You got players I, that rather go to play in Chicago than Detroit. I think that's TV's point. The market in Detroit. We don't attract we don't attract people to come here. It's always got to be through a trade. Rasheed Wallace didn't come here through a free agency. He came here through a trade. I get it though. We're we're just a blue collar team. Like I get it. Like, but my thing is, if you have a winning formula, 
and you're winning, that's all that matters. You either get in line and win, you know what I'm saying? And that starts with the coaching. And if we know that that's the type of market we have, then we need a very stellar coach and a very stellar GM that's going to be able to draft the talent, develop the talent, and force other force these players to either come over here by trade or potentially end up here based off of the success of the team. I mean, we could say the same thing. I mean, I know Boston is a huge market, but, like, Boston had a bunch of, like, nobodies on that team. Like, once they kind of broke up with, with Ray Allen and that team was dismantled, they were a bunch of just young cats that's, you know, playing basketball. And they're, but they have a hell of a coach, a hell of a GM. And and now, yes, it's the place to be. I mean, I think that's what has to happen for Detroit, man. Like, we got to find the right coaching staff, the right GM that can, can potentially recruit the talent that by draft and make sure we're rebuilding. And then, yeah, we, we lure in somebody that can sell some tickets, which, I mean, the thought process was there with uh, Blake Griffin. Yeah, but once again, we all knew he had we all knew he had issues. Uh, he's you know he's injured every year, so I mean he's been consistent in that regard. So I mean that's why the Clippers let him go. The entire Eastern Conference at the bottom of the rack is drafting at the top of the NBA draft. Absolutely disgusting, and the Detroit Pistons fit the bill. We got more NBA talk on the other side of fans and, and we got callers that are calling in. The lines are blowing up right now. We're also on Facebook Live. We appreciate everybody that's streaming and watching and commenting through the uh, through the video. 646-668-2182 is the number. When we come back, rapid fire. Hopefully it may be rapid fire, but a lot of quick topics. Fellas, I'm going to throw it out there to you. So get ready for it. Is Conor McGregor on drugs? And I ain't talking about just regular old just, you know, stuff. I mean, the booger sugar. We're going to talk a little bit about that rapid fire when we come back. FT Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. L, L, you a fool for this one. Good luck. I got you, bro. Almost 30 years in life and I ain't even rushing. 30 kisses to the cheek and I ain't even blushing. My phone's ringing every day and I ain't even buzzing. I'm spitting grocery bars, eggs by the dozen. Like uh, Michael Moore's thrift store. Food stamp. You're like LeBron in the finals. Oh crap. Young boys. Yeah, they call me Kid Priceless. Flow's dramatic. You thought I had a mid price. I be going nuts like nuts on a payday. Life would be nice if every day was a payday. But that's too easy. I'm far from easy. I'm off the easy. When I'm looking at it, you want the best that is best because you're looking at it. Uh, this is the best that is best. best. I'm saying I'm the best. best. Don't put me to the test. test. Battle one on one with me, I'll put your head to rest. First 48, man, you under arrest. What's up? Uh, this is the best that is best. best. I'm saying I'm the best. best. Don't put me to the test. Cause you keep it real and I keep it realer Never see me in your life, but I look familiar You're cracking jokes at my mom's so oh, I got to kill ya Come on, Corey, calm down, this is a fun joke nah. I set your chest on fire off a of gun smoke <laughs> By the time the cops come, they'll find nobody Women lie, men lie, yo got it At your funeral, it's all black everything Rappers suck, cause y'all lack everything Oh, 
to force and feed it. They grab their DJ by his neck and force feed him. Yeah. A good woman, Lord, needs to make her. I'm Kobe Bryant in his prime. I don't need a Laker. Uh, this is the best, that is best. I'm saying I'm the best. Don't put me to the test. Battle one-on-one with me, I'll put your head to rest. First 48, man, you under arrest. What's up? Uh, this is the best, that is best. I'm saying I'm the best. Don't put me to the test. Battle one-on-one with me, I'll put your head to rest. First 48, man, you under arrest. What's up? FT Sports Podcast, welcome back. Great discussion. NCAA tournament, the NBA is here. Getting ready for the playoffs. These two guys that sit on the left and the right side of this panel, I'm telling you right now, when they get into debate, it's hard to pull the reins back in. But I hope you guys are enjoying it on Facebook Live. Also here on Blog Talk Radio, 646-668-2182, BLS TV. Um, my man McGriff is on the East Coast right now, enjoying family. Um, skating. That's right. McGriff is skating right now. Um, uh, McGriff, if, you, if you're listening, please send pictures. I, I, I need to see this. I don't believe you're actually on skates right now. I don't even think you want to put the skates on. But if you do, please take a picture. I need to see it. 646 668 2182 is the number. Gentlemen, great discussion earlier. We'll get back on the NBA topics. We got some people that's calling in. I want to get them in before we start our rapid fire session here. So let's get, I have not heard from this man in a minute from the state of Ohio. Darius, welcome to the show. Good evening, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. And for the record, I had Michigan State going to the final four and win it all until Syracuse busted my brackets. But congrats to Michigan for a good season. Appreciate that. Better than the entire state of Ohio, that's for sure. Well, (laughs) that's a whole other discussion. Damn, Cincinnati and Xavier both choked. Uh, And Ohio State. Don't forget them. They were there. Yeah, I'm not a Buckeye fan, so. Tennessee was there. They choked, too. Don't worry about it. I know. (laughs) I know. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about that tragedy. All right. Go ahead, man. What's, what's What's on your mind? But I, I was going to mention about the NCAA tournament that it was good that but Villanova, when I saw them get to that early 22-4 to four lead against uh, Kansas, I already knew the game was over. They so you're talking had, about back from the you're, – you're referring to the, um, the final four the final game four. between Kansas and Villanova. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. That, I knew the game was over right then and there, and they just kept pouring it on. And Candace didn't have no answers. Uh, but NBA playoffs, I had uh, seeing Kyrie Irving out for the season. Mm. I, I thought that was going to probably be the competitor to go at least take it to a seven-game series against the Cavs. But seems like the Cavs got another cakewalk to the finals again. Another cakewalk. No, I, 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 and I'm and I and I'm not a Cavs fan. It, it, it's pitiful, but. I, I wanted to see Kyrie go against James Harden in the finals. That's what I wanted to see, but I have to probably wait till next year. 
Ellis, I got to ask you this because you probably are the biggest uh, critic of anyone in the East outside of Cleveland, which is, I think is fair to say. But real fast, Boston, I believe, was like 12 and I think 12 and one going into last night's game. So now they're like 12 and two without Kyrie Irving. They've been playing extremely well without Kyrie. Last night, right. a little bit of anomaly. Um, I honestly put them over Toronto, despite Toronto being number one and they have a great defense right now. But I really thought with a healthy Kyrie coming back that they would make that step because of what they were doing without him. With him being gone now and Marcus Smart uncertain if he's coming back either, I don't think they're getting out the first round beating Washington. As it, as it stands right now, they would play Washington. I don't even think they're going to beat Washington. Yeah, uh, you're right. But once, I mean, I'm not going to say they get a pass because they don't. They've done an incredible job with this roster and an incredible job with the turnover that they have from last year to now. Uh, so, once again, Brad Stevens is the man. He's, his job is secure forever and ever right now. Um, and they're going to ride the old, you know, trust the process. Like, they're, they're really the ones trusting the process. Not Philly with that. I get that they tried to coin that phrase. But this is really Boston that's trust the process. Um, they're missing two superstars, and they're still winning 50, 55 games this season. Um, and they're missing their two best players right now. Uh, you know, one went out day one, and Kyrie unfortunately went out, you know, at the end of their season when they need him the most. So, yeah, and I think, once again, they'll go out, and, you know, we will graciously clap for them in the, the run that they had and, and wish them the best of luck next year. And I think that now one thing we need to watch out for with Boston is this injury bug because, yes, there has been a string of years with them redeveloping and retooling themselves, but we can't turn the uh, blind eye to the fact that they've had critical injuries to their star players in the last few seasons, too, that has, you know, unfortunately crippled their chances of being able to compete. But Danny Ainge is playing chess right now. He's, you know, he already knows that LeBron is still, you know, he's, you know, he's, at, he's at his peak and that he is starting to slow up, uh, and the roster around him is starting to slow up. So they're, they're looking to strike once LeBron is out of there. Um, unfortunately, this won't be the year based off the, uh, the pile of injuries. But once TV. again, very, very much so a good year for them. TV, what's your thoughts on that? I know that you are kind of – you never are one to count somebody out before a series or whatever the case may be, unless it's just, you know, I don't know, a losing team in the East that just snuck in the playoffs. But in Boston's case, played well without Kyrie. With a Kyrie coming back, had a chance. He's not coming back. Can they even can they even win two three games in the playoffs? I mean, I think it's possible for them to win more than two games. I mean, you guys said it best. Um, uh, what twelve and one or twelve and two since Kyrie's been out? So, excuse me, sorry. Uh, I, I think it's possible, man. I mean, again, Brad Stevens is a coach where, you know, he's definitely one of the best coaches when it comes to X's and O's. I mean, he's a, a stats guy, so he's definitely going to play the numbers close to um, whoever they match up against come post come the postseason. I read about, you know, Kyrie missing, who's going to be missing the, the rest of the season and the playoffs, and I guess there's some screws that's going to be removed from yeah. um, from, pre, from a surgery back, dated back to 2015. So my thing is, why – it's 2018, so while all of a sudden these screws are being removed instead of just waiting for him to finish out the season. I, I don't know. I think that just kind of raises an eyebrow. I mean, what's, what's really going on here? I mean, right. again, you're about to get ready to put a playoff, so 
I don't know. It sounds like to me, and I maybe I'm reaching here, but it sounds like to me he's probably he probably doesn't want to see the Cavs come postseason play. Or mm. LeBron, that is, in my, in my, in my, you know, it's just it's just the time. The, the, the time is just too ironic, in my opinion. Kyrie doesn't want to play LeBron. That, that that's that's an interesting doesn't, thing. Doesn't doesn't want to see LeBron. I mean, think about it. you. You know, you left. I mean, you you demand a trade. You got your trade. Here you are. Got to play the Cavs in order to advance to the finals. And again, LeBron has his way in the East as he all as he always um, as he always has. And you know, you end up becoming the joke of well, you know, if you would have stayed with the Cavs, you would have made it to the finals, with LeBron. But here you are watching afar. But that's interesting. It's just it's just teaching, man. But again, it's just my take on it. That's interesting. That's interesting. Six four six 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 eight two one eight two is the number. We got one more caller in here. Let's let's start our rapid fire um, because I'm going to end it with Conor McGregor. I think this caller wants to talk about the story with Conor McGregor. If you haven't heard, um, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that at the at the tail end of our rapid fire session here, gentlemen. Um, so rapid fire. If you guys haven't participated or seen this happen before, um, we. Go just nonstop with all the stories that are taking place, some of the top stories. So the number one story right now, I saw an article, fellas. I'm just going to get your take on this. In your opinion, who gets the most hated award? Roger Goodell, David Stern, or Mark Emmerich from the NCAA? It's not even a question. Yeah, I was going to say Roger Goodell. I was going to say Mark Emmerich simply because of all the um, scandals, everything that's surrounding the NCAA. Football has already removed themselves from their postseason. Basketball might be doing the same. It's just a lot going on with that. So I was just – I had to throw that out there to share with, with everybody. It's obvious that Tiger Woods is good for golf. Where does he need to finish in this weekend's Masters to keep the hype alive? Uh, I think he just needs to be competitive, man. Like, like you said, he's good for golf. Like, so where should he finish? I would say top twenty or top top fifteen, top twenty. It, it, it'll be a success. He's got to he's got to finish in the top five, man. Just as simple as that. He has to finish in the top five. I agree with that. I mentioned it as well. I said if he finished in the top ten, that's successful. If he finished in the top five. He's back. If he wins, it was improbable. It's impossible. I don't think he'll win it, but he's definitely got it. He's got to be in there, top five, top ten. I agree with you guys on that one. Um, back to college basketball. Duke right now is a nine to one favorite to win the national championship next year. Um, too soon, TV. You agree with it? I totally agree with this. I mean. I walked in the door after watching the game with you guys, and not only did I get the ESPN learn that Villanova has won the, cha- won the championship, but then not even three seconds, I get another text saying, hey, Duke is a 9-1 favorite. Actually, was it 9-1 or 5-1? I think, I think it was actually 5-1 favorite. I could be. Okay. Uh, all of a sudden, they put Duke as a 9-1 favorite to win national championship. So I'm like, uh, really? <laughs> so yeah, too soon. <laughs> too soon. B. Ellis. Uh, too soon. Uh, I love uh, Coach K, uh, but you know we're, we're about to see if he can get it done with the one and done. So, you know, he, and, you know he's the right coach to try to, to to do that, but too soon, definitely. Uh, we've seen your boy Kyle Perry hasn't been able to get back there yet, so and he's the king of it. 
seesawing back and forth to the NBA, fellas. The the Eastern Conference is set. One through eight, everybody is clinched. We just need to know where the seedings are going to be from five to eight. However, in the Western Conference, the only team that is safe, even though they haven't clinched, is the Utah Jazz. Five through eight, including Denver and L.A. that are sitting on the outside, can still get in or somebody can fall out. So I picked three teams. Who will miss the playoffs? The Timberwolves, the Pelicans, or the Nuggets? Well, the Nuggets are out as it stands right now, and Utah isn't safe either, Chris. Um, if you look at it, they got the same record as New Orleans pretty much. So uh, if I had to guess, you, you want you said just one team is going to be out? The Nuggets, I know that the Nuggets are out on the outside right now, but if they if yep. they lose tonight, they're they're done. If they win, they still are in the hunt. And there's a chance that they can win because the Timberwolves are not playing well. That's the reason why I, I said think, that. I think the Timberwolves are out of there. Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins are too inconsistent, and if Jimmy Butler doesn't come back, they don't have their anchor. And for some reason, I, I don't trust those other two guys. They're inconsistent. CV, what do you think? Um, I would have to say Denver. I think um, I think Minnesota and New Orleans are definitely going to uh, win the remainder of their games to seal their playoff positions. We brought up the Boston Celtics already, so we already gave our thoughts on the Celtics, thanks to Darius and, and his call. We love the callers when they can do that. So we go to this question to the NFL. The Patriots have traded Brandon Cooks for a first-round draft pick. Considering the demand for Odell Beckham, gentlemen, and I, I, I hate to do this to y'all, but the Giants put it out there, two number ones, one of the teams that got two number ones right now, the New England Patriots. Do they pull the trigger and make that trade? I don't think New England makes this trade, man. Odell Beckham is too much of a headache. So I can't I can't imagine Bill Belichick taking on the personality of Odell Beckham. It's not the Patriot way. <laughs> it's interesting that you say a personality TV real fast. They picked up Ocho Cinco and they picked up Randy Moss. And you can hear a peep out of those boys when they're on that team. But I don't know. <laughs> Odell Beckham is just a breed. True, true. B. Ellis. Yes, sir. The Patriots traded Brandon Cooks. Do they make the move? I think they do, man. Um, I think they do. They're just – Bill Belichick doesn't care. He's going to have make sure he has the right guys in the system at all times and at all costs. So, no one's safe. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gronkowski, uh, Gronkowski's out of there, too. So, you think that they'll get rid of Gronkowski and then get Odell? Yes. Wow. They will, they will, they will. Your boy Odell will be the most mature player out there on the field. <laughs> and and uh, Gronkowski, yeah, go ahead. Gronkowski is done, man. He's done. And he, every, they've, they've won when he's not there. When he's there, they've lost. The game's the matter the most. I hate to say it, but I can see it happening. I, I, maybe not getting rid of Gronk, but if Gronk retires, they pull the trigger and get an Odell. I can see it happening. I don't want it to happen, but I can see it. Gronk getting uh, traded, whether he retires it, or not. I don't. I, I don't think there's any level of commitment to him any longer. I can't imagine them even making that move either way, man. I just can't. If they do it, I'll be. I'll be very. I'll be highly surprised. But just don't see it, it happening. Let me. Let me add this. If they do pull that trigger, considering what the Rams have done, considering where the Eagles are, the 49ers are on the rise. Minnesota defensively now they have a quarterback. I mean, a lot of teams, you've got a lot of narratives across the board. 
does New England just springboard immediately back to the top if they get this Odell guy? New England uh, has Because you got to consider the Rams are the favorite. I don't know. I would have to see what their schedule looks like. And then keep in mind, can Odell – because you made a point about how Randy Moss and Ocho Cinco were on the page at one point, but – the problem with Ocho Cinco was he couldn't grasp the playbook, and that's why he didn't really see a lot of playing time. So as talented as Odell Beckham is, can he grasp that playbook? And also there's other things that New England needs to fix, you know, especially like with their offensive line and and their defense also. So uh, I don't know if they would just be able to springboard back into the to the Super Bowl. Last, last question before the Conor McGregor discussion real fast, gentlemen. Um, Story first, then a question. I walked into Toys R Us looking for, for, for Nerf guns for, for the weekend with Jaden. He'll be here in two weeks. You guys know I'm excited about that. However, when I walked in there and saw this big old sign that said, now closing, I kind of got sad. However, <laughs> after comparing the prices to online of Walmart and other retailers, I sat back and said, I see why you're going out of business. I don't know if you guys felt the nostalgic of, of Toys R Us. But knowing that they're closing, one word to describe them. How do you feel? Uh, I don't know. I guess not so hard. Be jealous. I'm more so uh, more so heard about Babies R Us than Toys R Us. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Your time baby's there, older uh, than that now. Come on. I know. But I'm just saying. That's where I spent my most recent history at my most recent money at so um and i was hurt to see the babies are us going down with the ship too <laughs> i do remember those trips so those were fun exciting long three hour long trips yes i i remember those those, those are great indeed six four six 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 eight two one eight two is the number gentlemen before we hit the break i want to get a caller in i want to hit this discussion real fast because it did hit the wires today um conor mcgregor um, UFC 232 or 223, that is, um, found at the Bradley Center, breaks in with his entourage and just getting ready to launch things at the bus. Now, we've heard things of Conor McGregor. Sometimes we see him and we just sit back and say, ah, it's a stunt. But after the fight with Mayweather and all the money that he has made, I'm sorry, but I really do believe that the money has gone to his head. And I honestly believe... He might be on something. And I don't mean ego trip. I mean something. Is that too far-fetched to say? We haven't seen him. He doesn't want to fight. He thinks the world revolves around him after a loss in a boxing ring, and he has tons of money that he's never made in his entire life. Thoughts on Conor McGregor real fast. I haven't seen the video, but... uh... I don't know. He could. I mean, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not going to assume he's on anything. But I don't know. It, it just seems like. I don't. Know, it just seems like a different person ever since that fight with, with Mayweather. I mean, overall, it could just be the money. But who knows, man? Be honest with you, think. I mean, most of those boxers and you know those heavy contact sports they got issues, man. So I, I'm. I'm not going to go on record and say he does, but. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like he's at the peak of his career. Most of those guys live off of the adrenaline and, you know, a lot of them make poor decisions. So I got to find out more detail on it, but it it seems about right. 
after seeing all the publicity stunt BS with Floyd Mayweather, um, and even in his own sport, you know, he was humbled when he lost, uh, I think, two fights ago. But, you know, I don't know. His last two, I mean, yeah, a lot of adrenaline for that man, a lot, a lot of mouth. So I wouldn't be surprised if he made a dumb decision with, with, with his mouth and with his actions. I'm not surprised. Interesting. Let's get this caller in here. He hasn't called in in a while, but he wanted to weigh in on the Conor McGregor uh, conversation. Chris Anthony, what's good? What's up, guys? How's those baby Lakers treating you? Oh, man, you're going to troll me with that right away? Come on. All right. All right, hold on. I had to. We can get to that later. Who was the man? I'll see that, but we'll we'll touch on it later. Yeah, all right. So uh, I just want to put some context into this Conor McGregor thing. So, um you got to you got to kind of know about Connor's history like he's been at his uh MMA gym from the very beginning and he's trained with Artem Artem Lobov which is also uh, I believe he's a featherweight in the UFC and yesterday um Khabib who is uh going to be fighting for the lightweight title against Max Holloway this weekend uh, ended up going up to Connor's teammate, and there's a video of it, and he grabs the back of his head and he slapped him in the back of the head with about 15 entourages, uh, 15 people in his entourage, and just kind of punked Connor's teammate, his day one teammate that he's trained with for like 10 plus years, and that was yesterday. So Connor was like, I'm not having this. He gets the word from Artem comes all the way from Ireland to Brooklyn in a day and starts wrecking havoc because Khabib was on that bus with the other fighters. Khabib didn't want to get off the bus, so Connor started throwing stuff at at the glass and trying to get him out. Now, I'm not saying what Connor did was right, but in my opinion, if you if you try to punk my teammate and I'm a and I'm a fighter and I've and I've had this guy in my camp for 10 plus years. We're like brothers. And you and you mess with my teammate when he's by himself and punk him with your entourage. Like I'm pretty sure you're gonna you're gonna do something about it too. And Connor just has the means to come all the way from Ireland to come for to Brooklyn and do something about it. Now, once again, I, I don't think what he did was you know right because he ended up hurting Michael Chiesa, which is a a fighter supposed to fight on that card too. He cut his face because he broke the glass on the bus he kind of lost control. That wasn't right. But I think the premise behind why he came down there and wanted to stand up for his teammate was correct. I mean, he's just standing up for his teammate. Connor's known to be all about loyalty, but I think he did take it too far with his actions. But still, that gives you guys a little bit more context. He's not just letting the the fame get to his head. I mean, I'm sure he has a lot of money and all that, but at the end of the day, like, Somebody messed with his teammate. He just wasn't going for it. I, I get it. I get it, Chris, and I, I understand it. And I, I think this squad here, the four of us, would understand that more than anything. However, reputation is all. And now, TV, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight to you because we've talked about this in past conversations about athletes and, and present. When Conor McGregor has a reputation. Now, it's a difference if he just was a standout guy, you know, just kept to himself, you know, got into a big fight, made some money, disappeared. Sort of like what Ronda Rousey did. She lost, she disappeared, tried to come back, disappeared, and went to the WWE. Probably not the most elegant way of leaving, but she had a reputation and she kept it intact. Conor McGregor has that reputation of being a hothead. And then it didn't make it any better with the stunts and the antics that he pulled as the, the fight went on. 
So now we haven't seen this man in months. He's been denying his opportunities to fight. And then when we do see him, he's throwing stuff at buses. I mean, at, I, I get defending your, your crew. I get it. But I don't know, man. I don't, he don't get a pass if that's really the story, does he? I mean, you can take a step further and ask yourself, well, how long has you know Dana White and UFC been allowing this type of behavior to happen? I mean, if he's doing this in the public eye, no telling what's been what's he, what he's been doing behind closed doors. So I think everything's just starting to surface as, as to you know this is who he really is. I mean, it's unacceptable, especially with you know with Chris sharing with us. So it it's to me it's it's just unacceptable, man. Ellis, what's your thought? Um, oh, go ahead. I agree with TV. I mean, like like you said, and I, I know um, Chris, you, uh, both Chris, you provided the context, but there's been a track record of him kind of, you know, being one to lose control or have a very fine line between, you know, saying having that that level of control that you would you would like to see in, in the in the midst of trying to brand yourself, you know, brand yourself with that type of image that he's trying to create. And I think this might have been a situation they got the best on. Like I said, rather, I get what you're saying. You want to defend your uh, your crew, defend your your team, but you know, once again, he is the face of the of the sport. He knows that, and I think he, you know, he, he kind of he's been getting away with some things. And you kind of bring in the uh, you know the commissioner of the sport, so to speak, with data. And I think this this kind of goes with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with TV, Chris. Um, I don't. I, I, we're going to get into some some NBA. Just kind of open the dialogue for the remainder of the show. We got the playoffs coming around the corner. The Western Conference. I think we want to spend some time to talk about that since we spent so much time talking about the lame Eastern Conference. Your baby Lakers are there. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are. If you've changed your narrative since the last time we've heard from you, sir. But I, I am curious to get your thoughts. Do you want to hang around and, and, and get into that dialogue with us? Yeah, I'd love to. All right, fantastic. 646-668-2182 is the number. Gentlemen, when we come back, let's get into some NBA. Uh, this kind of open flow, open dialogue, whether it's players, whether it's teams, potential matchups in the, in the finals or in the playoffs, the sixth man award probably is the biggest one outside of the rookie of the year this year. Considering that we already know who the MVP is, I think we should spend time to talk about the other awards. But we want to get your thoughts again. 646-668-2182 is the number when we come back. More of the FT Sports Crew. Remember, only you can tell which sounds are correct to your ears and your environment. Your equalizer provides you with the means to make any and all corrections that you in your new capacity as audio playback engineer determine to be the most accurate. Say again. Welcome to the beginning of the end. I'm killing the ball, reviving her with a pen, a boomerang, bring it back to literal sense. How many wish they had 15 more cents to make a buck at some point in your timeline? The flow funky, imagination expands mine. I try to climb above all irrelevant, stand atop the pedestal like a gold medalist. Y'all relish, trying to be facetious, I'm monogamous with a bun. I don't need it, that boy's hot dog. Look, for 24-7, raw, I can never be cooked. It ain't always about 
killing for beef. I'm a hunter for beasts. My venison speech is untamed and wild. UFO, like I'm foreign, unseen before. With a mic, what we eating tonight? Come on, we'll play at an open mic. I'll confuse for buffet, doomsday. For the fence, I do it every time, but I can't help it. It reminds me of the skies I came from. Don't fall, cause I'm not tripping. I landed in the Midwest, caught by the mitten. That's Detroit, baby. FT Sports Podcast, welcome back. Great conversation so far. Half hour to go. TV Ellis. A.A. Ron, my man, is on the East Coast. Getting into the NBA side. We've been talking NBA all night, but it's been a great conversation. A little Conor McGregor, a little bit of RG3 and his knee. It's been, a, it's been a great time. Didn't even talk about Johnny Manziel and what he said because this clown admitted to not caring or not even read. They knew Cleveland knew that he didn't know the playbook or didn't study the playbook or know that he wasn't the type of player to study the playbook, but drafted me anyway. He actually said that on a radio station, Dan Patrick, and admitted to that. Now, I don't know how you want to take it, but to me, that was probably the dumbest thing you could ever say if you're trying to make a comeback into a league where you need to know how to read a damn playbook. <laughs> I'm just, fellas, I I don't know if you guys heard that, but considering Johnny Manziel is trying to do a Josh Gordon on everybody, the last thing you want to admit to is not knowing how to read a damn playbook, right? Especially at the quarterback position. But, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I I, I agree with that. It's not a good look. And uh, just for clarification, uh, Duke is actually a five to one favorite. Okay, to five to one. Next year. I thought that yeah. said nine to one, but you know, I apologize on that one. Still, it's still ridiculous, though, right? I mean, too early. way too early. Too way too early. Like, can the, the season just end it? Like, what are we doing? I don't know. And it's interesting that Vegas puts these bets out, but yet the NCAA doesn't acknowledge. I, I, I won't get on my soapbox. I, I'll leave that alone. Six four six. Six six eight two one eight two is the number. NBA full court press. We normally do it at the top of the show, just like we do with our NFL um, our NFL uh, roundtable discussion. Uh, but we're going to save it for the end. And fellas, I just kind of want to leave it free flowing. I just want to open up the door because there's so many interesting stories going on in the NBA. Um, I know we're getting close to playoff time, but we got injuries. We got uh, uh, Kawhi that's that's beefing out with with the the um, the organization that honestly you would think would never beef out with San Antonio Spurs. We got LeBron James pushing 82 games for the first time. We got so much happening, and then the rookies this year, including Kuzma in LA, everybody's just, everybody's doing well as far as rookies are concerned. I just want to just kind of throw it out there, fellas. I mean, as we approach the playoffs. What's the story that sticks out to you that people are just not talking about? Got one for you. The Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Number three in the Western Conference. Arguably, like I said, one of the more challenging conferences there is. Uh, Dame Lillard constantly being left out every year and unconsidered uh, for being one of the top levels, uh, top point guards in the league. And every year they've gotten better. Um, 
and he's led his team. Um, I think they're on track to potentially win 50 games this season, and they've clinched their spot in the playoffs already, um, and they get no love. Now, I know it's a West Coast team, so a lot of times people are asleep or the games aren't necessarily being televised like that, but, yeah, I, I like what they're doing. TV, what you what, what you thinking out there? I, I I've seen a couple of Portland games. I still think that they're, you know, too guard happy right now. I mean, I get that they're a little balanced with the other players, but I still see a team with Portland where, you know, they go as far as Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum is willing to take them. Outside of that, I mean, they might get out the first round, but every team that, in the NBA minus, it. The, minus the Warriors and the and the uh, Cavaliers. Right, but Portland is, a, is an anomaly, right? Because they've been around and they continue and they've had potential. I mean, they had the squad, right? And they had to break the team up because they couldn't get over the hump. The narrative ain't. Uh, they, everybody wanted out. They, they didn't. They didn't break that project up. They lost everybody in free agency. But they couldn't get over the hump. It's not like the Phoenix Suns where they just couldn't be L.A. Or it wasn't like the San Antonio team where they couldn't beat L.A. Or Sacramento where they couldn't beat L.A. Notice the trend there. But this team just could not get out the first damn round. <laughs> they just couldn't I do it. They, they ran into the Spurs, man, or the or the Warriors. Or like, everybody else. I think this was this – was, I mean, the the reason I – like I said, and, I, and I'm not trying to steal the, steal the, um, the panel from um, TV, but that's why they stand out to me because they're doing all this with just two guys. You know, and they, they, you know, for a second, well, the team was completely dismantled and they've managed to stay in the playoff hunt every year and now climb up to be one of the top three teams in the Western Conference, yet alone one of the top, you know, five, six teams in the entire NBA. So I'm, I, I, I like to give a ton of credit to, uh, to Dane for pretty much staying with it, getting better and better. And every year he's been slighted every year from pretty much the critics and, you know, the players in regards to him being considered a top caliber player. TV, your thoughts on Portland? Um, I, I mean, I think it's pretty much the same story. Um, one of the best backcourts in the league, front court has always been questionable, even the bench play. And unless you get other players to step up, you know, when you go into the postseason, I mean, the outcome is pretty much going to be the same. You know, um, Dame Lillard and, and CJ McCollum are able to, you know, give you 30 apiece if you want to. But again, you still got to account for the other, you know, the, the small, your small four, you know, your front court basically to come through and, and win a series at least. I mean, they were fortunate. I mean, they, yeah, they managed to beat the Clippers, I believe. If it, I think it was last year. But, again, I mean, Chris Paul going out with the injury, then Blake Griffin was hurt too. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, my takeaway going to the postseason is, excuse me, I think this is the first time I want to say maybe in three or four, even five years, that we're going to have all the teams in the East with a winning record going to the postseason. That is huge. <laughs> Say that one more time, T, because that didn't even I, – I think you're talking I about think, another sport. You're not talking going, NBA, right? I'm talking NBA. I think this is going to be the first time in possibly four to five years that all eight teams going to the postseason are going to have winning records. That is that – is, that's disgusting. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say about it. I mean, congratulations, right. Eastern Conference, right? I mean, congratulations, <laughs> Eastern Conference, for being at least competitive. So, I'll give them that. But, man, it's – yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the standing. I'm like, damn, wait a minute. Milwaukee has a winning record? Washington, like, yeah. damn. Yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. And, you know, with, here's another uh, stat for you, and just to kind of pivot back over to the Pistons. The Detroit Pistons are the only team in the last 10 years in the Eastern Conference to not win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. another NBA stat for you, huh? Yeah. We only Man. we only do our homework here. <laughs> we only do our homework here. Um, wow. Yeah, ten years, and 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 people will say, well, they made the playoffs, right? I mean, you know, uh, what Brooklyn made it maybe what once I think um, in the last ten years because they had Paul Pierce and and uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett, they had that squad and all that fun stuff. Yeah, they 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 did. They also won games, but. The Pistons have been there twice in the last 10 years, and they got swept twice. This is true. Yeah, it's, it's hard. To, they ran into LeBron. Like. So what? They, they, they're they the only team in the Eastern Conference right now to not win a game in the last 10 years in the playoffs. Charlotte has won games in the playoffs. Atlanta I mean, has been there. I hear you, but let's change the narrative, though. Some of those teams you name them, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and put Atlanta out there. When they ran into LeBron James, same results. They lost every single game. So I, under, I, mean, I understand. I, I think that you know it sucks for the Pistons because they they're terrible, so they're going to just pretty much barely make the playoffs. And of course, you're going to run into the best team in the playoffs, which is LeBron. So I mean, it's inevitable that you're going to lose a quick eight games two years in a row if you're going against LeBron as soon as you get there. I mean, it's a one way ticket out the, out the game. <laughs> So disrespectful, but it's so true, so true. I mean, uh, you, throw the, you can throw the Pelicans in there too, man. They got in there and got destroyed by Warriors, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It is what it, it is. is. True. That, that that's true. Uh, Chris, you have um, been calling here multiple times, and you was all about these Lakers, the baby Lakers. They're gonna be fine. They were winning. They were doing good. Then when they started losing, I ain't hear from you, man. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. I, I ain't picking with you. Go ahead, TV. I am I I am six games away for being right about the Lakers. I called it too. I said the Lakers will win forty games, and right now they're at thirty four. So even though they won't make the forty, I was pretty close. You were in close. My projection. You were close. So I think I, I mean, think I gave him like twenty eight. So you gave yeah you gave him twenty eight. I gave him forty. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. You had to throw that one in there. Good job, TV. You had to, man. <laughs> yeah. had to. I mean, I mean, we got we got hit with a lot of injuries. Lonzo's been hurt for most of the season. Um, Ingram's missed a lot of games. He made a difference anyway. Uh, so I'm not I'm not gonna make any excuses, but yeah, we were just not ready this year. Um, but I like the progress. I like the moves that we've made. Uh, you could definitely see the imprint that Magic's left on the franchise so far. So. Him and Rob Palenka, I feel like, are doing a good job, and we'll see what happens in free agency and in the off season, and we'll reevaluate. But we have a lot of young talent. I mean, look at the way that Randall's progressed. Um, there's there's been a lot of uh, good things about this year, even though that we're not in the playoffs. So, I'm overall, I'm, I'm satisfied with how we did, and we're just gonna. It's, it's part of the process. We have to continue moving forward. Julius Randall. Probably, honestly, balling. I'm, I won't even say anything else. The Lakers are really skeptical on maybe even bringing him back. Why? He Shouldn't it be Brandon Ingram that they should be really questioning at this point? I know this is sophomore well, year, but he ain't been making no progress. Uh, so Randall Ingram made progress last year. 
Ingram versus Ingram versus Julius Randle. Who's made better, better, bigger progress from from year to year? Randle, by far. I think Randle. I mean, Randle got him by a season though, too, though, doesn't he? I mean, but we've seen. Yeah. We, I mean, okay, yeah. Ellis, if you want to say that, fine. I'll, I'll give you that. But Brandon Ingram came in with the same height as Julius Randle did, if not more. And Julius Randle was not playing nearly to his potential last year. And this year, he has come about his own. But the Lakers have made it very clear or have given signs that maybe giving him more money or, you know, signing him is not in their future. But Brandon Ingram remains on, you know, that guy for them. I just find that interesting when they're talking about building and when you have a free agent roster coming out this summer that maybe you should be looking at who's actually giving you production and will attract a superstar. I don't think Brandon Ingram attracts a superstar more than J- Julius Randle would at this point. That's just it's my opinion. You got to look at it for what it is. He's a tweener, so he's kind of he's kind of small for the position he plays. He's not that he's athletic, but he is lacking a level of athleticism. The league is built off of point guards and small forwards. So Ingram is a small forward. That's the league. All your top players in the league right now, you're playing the point guard position or the small forward position. So there's more wiggle room and there's more developmental stages when it comes to those positions. So that's why Julius is being overlooked. And then ultimately that's why potentially if he's not just a completely dominant big man, like let's just say like a a Boogie Cousins or even Anthony Davis, maybe a Oladipo, or not Oladipo, but um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, then, it, then he's, he's going to get overlooked. And he's kind of a tweener when it comes to that. He's kind of, he falls into that Draymond Green kind of category. Like, well, great player, but he needs he needs the right system. And unfortunately, he's not in that right system. So I think with that's all, what's happening to him. With all due respect, though, when they drafted him, everybody was thinking about one guy that was tall, linky, and could get up and down the court. And that was Kevin Durant. He put on a little bit more size, and everybody wanted him to come out his own and be that guy. He hasn't done that. I mean, that's the Who NBA. They always compare. They always compare players to other players that come out before, and and have that similar build. That's that's the NBA. They they've done that is forever. This, is, is this year two or three for uh, Ingram? Two. Two. Year two. This year two. He, he he's taking leaps and bounds steps for this second year though. I mean, I, I've watched his game. He's less timid. He's going to the rack. He's developing his shot. He's he's blocking shots. He's playing defense. There's been a lot of development from him from year one to year two. I mean, I think you got to give him another year to, once again, bulk up. He's still young. This dude is, what, 22? So he's still coming into his body. I mean, and once again, I think that he's still going to be a good prospect. Say that again, Chris. Say that again, Chris. I said he's not even 22. I don't even think. He's barely over 20. I think he's 21. Yeah. Not even 22 yet. Kuzma's 22. I think he's going to be all right, man. I think he's shown signs that that you you want to continue to invest in him. And once again, the league is set up for for the the coaches and the development to be centered and focused on the position that he plays. So I think he's in a good spot to to pretty much get another year in. TV, jump in there real fast because I, again, I, I'm not. I, I don't want you guys to think that I don't believe in Brandon Ingram. But when you are when you have a free agent class that's coming out and you want to attract the free agents to come to the town. You need the players to say that we have what we have. I don't think Brandon Ingram fits the bill. If I had to say you got to, if, if, especially if you're going to upgrade a position, that's one position that you would want to upgrade. I mean, again, Julius Randle was on the block as well. 
but he has shown in the second half of the season that he is a viable player. Kuzma, who, I mean, again, come out as a rookie, and he's balling. Somebody that you want to invest time in. If you had to throw somebody else in that lineup, you're not saying Brandon Ingram, right? Yeah, you are. Let me know when I touch um, the subject. Let me know when it's my turn. I, I, I will say this. Um, yes, Julius Randle, and I, I'm not really, I don't really follow the Lakers like that, but just based off a few games or, you know, read some articles. Yeah, Julius Randle has definitely performed this season. But to to what you're saying, Chris, you have, you do have, you, free agency is about to be popping this summer. And you got to look at as far as, okay, the Lakers are going to be on that list of destinations that superstars are, are you know, that's going to be on that list. And you got to look at, you also have to look at what type of style of play are the Lakers going to going to go you know go on or, or, or play as, and Julius Randle to me wouldn't fit that up tempo. I don't think he'll fit an up tempo style. I think his style is more of a half court base. And with okay. Brandon Ingram, I think he's more up tempo. And also to Brandon and Chris's point, uh, he's still growing into his body. He has the length. Again, he's a tweener, so he's more like a Kevin Durant. Hell, you could say he's more like a Scotty Pippen. So I think defensively he'll get better. Offensively, his game will definitely get will get better. And even though he had a couple of injuries before the injuries, he he was actually off to a pretty good start. Understood. Okay. So organ- okay. So, so so as an organization, you just got to look at what type of team are you trying to build here. What 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 is your makeup moving forward? Because again, you're in the West competing against not just Houston. But you're competing against Golden State, and San Antonio's going to be there, and let's just say Minnesota may be here and there, you know. So you got to yeah. you got to look at the overall landscape as to okay, what type of team are we going to be moving forward, and is this the type of style or, or whatever type of style we're going to go forward with? Is it going to allow us to compete for championships year in year out? Okay, so let me ask this real fast, and then Chris, and jump in there real fast. Is it safe to say that the Western Conference, yes or no, has improved defensively? They've always had no. a reputation where they were up and down all the time, run and gun, offense, offense, offense. Have this conference improved defensively, yes or no? No. Not at all. I'm going to take the silence as you don't know. With Utah, yeah, no, that's that's the yeah, for the panel. Okay. My fault. I didn't. My fault for the panel. The Western Conference has approved defensively. Yes or no? Chris says no. What do you say, TV? Um, I think I think it's still I think it's still the same. I think I just give the Western Conference a slight a slight edge. A, okay, a slight edge. So they've improved somewhat. Somewhat. Okay, Ellis, somewhat, right? Somewhat, I mean, I'll say that the uh, Western Conference, their defense is questionable. I okay, so when you, have, when you have a Houston team that has improved from year in and year out, to they become a, a better defensive team. They can shoot, but they can also defend. Golden State has always been a, a top 10, top 5 defensive team with this team and the roster that they have. Portland, questionable. Utah, great defense. San Antonio, defense. OKC, okay. Minnesota, okay. Pelicans, all right, I give you a, a little bit. If you're the Lakers, don't you want to build a defensive team? Isn't Brandon Ingram more of a liability than than, than Julius Randle, Chris? I mean, you follow this team probably more no. than anybody. I, I, oh yeah. I, here, let me tell you. 
because I, okay. I, I watched pretty much every game this year. I, I finally got League Pass. I, you know, I bought it for like 100 bucks or whatever it is. So I was able to watch pretty much every <laughs> game. And what, I'll tell you, what I'll tell you is that uh, Ingram is not a liability on, on defense whatsoever. His length uh, makes it so that he can contest shots and, and pretty much every shot he wants to. He's really active in the lanes, um, so he – you know, gets his steals, he gets his blocks. That, Like I said, his length really helps him. And he's very versatile on offense. He's a guy that ran point guard for us um, a couple of games. He started at point, I think, uh, when Lonzo was hurt, like four or five times. So this is a guy that can play the small forward position but um, can, can play other positions as well. So, um, And he's young. Like I said, I think he's just barely over 20. Like, I don't even think he's 21 yet. I might be wrong on that, but he's he's very, very young. And uh, and Randall's a good player too, but the issue with Randall is that he's going to want a lot of money after this season, you know, with the way that the league is moving forward. And the Lakers have made it very clear with that trade for Clarkson um, that they were trying to clear cap space for this offseason. So that's the only reason why we probably won't sign Randall is because he's going to be worth too much. He's, he deserves – a big contract. I mean, he's shown it, but he's not in our plans for the future because we're looking at trying to get Paul George and, and potentially DeMarcus Cousins as well. I know he's on he's on our radar as well. I'm not saying we can get DeMarcus, but, but we're going to need at least high 20s for PG. So, you know, we, we, we don't have the money to pay for Randall unless he wants to take a pay cut, and I don't think he wants to. So Okay, fair enough. That's what's going fair on enough. there. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, gentlemen, um, let's switch to the playoffs. If the playoffs were to start right now, we got some interesting matchups. So I'm going to throw a couple out there. You tell me which one is going to stand out. And you cannot pick the obvious, which would be Golden State and potentially OKC, if OKC is the seventh seed. Right now they're the sixth seed. But a matchup that I'm looking at, LeBron James has not won in Miami since he's left. I know it's a different LeBron James. I know Ellis is going to say that. I already know what he's thinking. But the narrative is the narrative. He has not beaten the Miami Heat since he's left to go back to Cleveland. They are on a collision course, the three and six seed, Miami and Cleveland. Where would you rank that series? Would you watch that series? Who could, could, could Miami put up a fight in this series? Um, I think Miami will put up a fight. Um, they'll get a, I think they'll get two games in. Uh, but yeah, they're not beating Cleveland. I don't, I don't see anybody dethroning LeBron this year. And, and what's crazy is this is the year for it to happen. I don't trust Toronto. Boston is, inj- is injured, unfortunately. And the rest of these teams are not going to be Cleveland. I'm sorry. Now, I will say Miami, will, they'll get two games in um, just off the, off of just sheer-level competition, Spolster being the coach that he is. And, you know, I think Dwayne Wade energizing that team and that franchise. So, I think it would be, it would be a competitive series, six games, Cleveland. TV, what you think? Cleveland, Miami, the narrative. What do you think? Um, I interested in watching. Um, I wasn't aware that LeBron has yet to win in Miami since uh, going back to Cleveland, so that's that's an interesting stat as well. Um, but you know, you could you can also say, well, before he went to Miami, he struggled against Boston in the postseason. And once he went to Miami, he pretty much uh, dominated against has dominated against Boston. So I don't know, man. I I, I could see that game probably going. Mm-hmm. I could probably see that game going to five. Yeah, I can see that being a six game. I mean, five game series. Uh, you know, with Cleveland four to one. 
Okay. Chris, real fast, what do you think? Um, I think uh, – I didn't think about it before, but I think that makes the watching the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs really interesting. I, I would like to see uh, Miami and, and Cleveland square off in. I agree. I think they would get two games, but ultimately I think they would lose. But those would be really, really hard-fought games in Miami, and um, it, w- it would be fun to watch. Like, I'll definitely tune in for those games if, if they match up. So la- a couple of weeks ago, gentlemen, we had this uh, conversation. It'll be the last, the last question of the night. San Antonio, 50 games, playoffs. All the, all the questions were going back and forth. This is the first time in a while that the San Antonio Spurs had a losing record on the road. They're 14 and 26 on the road. Not good. However, if you look at the stack right now, there's like a game separating everybody from literally five to five to eight. If you want to go further down a game and a half, San Antonio looking vulnerable. They lost two games in a row to both LA teams on the road. Gentlemen, real talk. Are the Spurs going to make the playoffs? I mean, really. It's not looking good sure. for them. It's not even a question, bro. They're making the playoffs. You say that, but they just uh, lost yeah. against the Clippers and the Lakers back-to-back nights. 60 seconds. On the road. <laughs> They'll be there. I mean, pencil them in right now. Greg Popovich, this team, they're going to the playoffs. Like, um, yeah, yep. it's not going to do anything this year. But, yeah, and Greg Popovich, I trust. You got to look at this team. They've had hella injuries. They're missing a star player. You got an A's and Decane, Tony Parker, and Ginobili, and they're still relevant. Like I, I, the job he's done is phenomenal. So he'll he'll put the cherry on top by making the playoffs. Okay, so I'll just give a fact out there real fast. TV they play Portland, Sacramento, New Orleans. They could go one and two in the last stretch of the season, and if the other teams win their games, they're out. The San Antonio get it done. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, I think Santo gets, gets it done, but it's going to be a nail-biter. That's for damn sure. seconds. Chris, what you think, man? Uh, I think they get in. I got them getting in. I, I want to see them in there. <laughs> I want to see them in there, but I don't know, man. I don't know, man. We'll find out. Well, we appreciate everybody that has tuned in tonight. Oh man, we have a meeting right now. We appreciate everybody that tuned in to.